Welcome to the Manners Podcast, where our host, Joey Ferjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church in Philadelphia, is teaching on how to be a biblical man. All right, Manners Season 2, here we go. Come another on, somebody. Another episode. Julio, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm blessed to be here today. Amen. Uh, honored, honored to be invited on the show, man. Wow. I'm excited. Wow. Honored to have you, yeah. man. Yeah, got flown out first class. I was, <laughs> I've been pumped. <laughs> yeah, you did. All the way from Bridesburg to Port Richmond. Yeah, we, man. It's actually a longer commute than you might think. <laughs> we picked you up in a black car, you know? Yeah, man. It was, it was top quality service, man. I had some... Uh, Block church, you know, coffee ready for me when I walked in. You, you know what's funny is um, one time, you remember the train wreck that happened in Port Richmond several oh years gosh, ago? Yes, yes. Well, um, uh, several news stations, because we were down there giving out towels and whatever, yeah. and several news stations actually reached out to me, mm. found my information somehow, wow. and then they put me on like national new- news. They're yeah. like, so when the news station we went on, they're like, would you like us to send a car? Uh, I was like, and it's like five minutes away, but I was like, I, I was like, when is this going to happen again? Yeah, yeah. yeah send me it. the car. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Yeah, so they sent me a car. I rolled up to the to the site, you know, wow. in, a, in, a, in a nice black vehicle. Come and, on, somebody. Uh, it was like Uber triple X yeah, or something. You yeah, know you know what Pastor Xavier says, if it's free, take two. Yeah. I would have got to ride back home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they waited for me. Oh, good. <laughs> we went to Chick-fil-A to celebrate. Anyway, um, so yeah, man, what we, I, you know, part of this is you got to have an item, a man item. Yeah. Before we get into our content, that's kind of our thing. What's something every man's got to have? Yeah. Did you bring something today? I did. So today what I brought here is it's exclusively for men who are uh, vision impaired in some way, shape or form. <laughs> and so I have, I have, I, I'm actually like. Physically vision impaired. Come on, but somebody. But not spiritually vision Come impaired. on, touch your neighbor, tell them. <laughs> um, so I actually can't see, like my, I, I struggle to. To look in a distance, mm. you know, with my glasses. Mm. Uh, so that's why I have glasses when I'm driving mostly. Would that mean w- you're farsighted? Yes, I think so. I don't, I never get it right when I say it. Okay. So I just refrain Someone from Someone in the comments will correct us. Yeah, I know. So, so I wear my glasses inside. It's just part of who I am now, just wearing glasses. But anyways, um, so I really struggled when I'm driving in the sunny day, going to the beach or something. It's like, man, it's just brutal with the sun just beaming in your eye. Mm. You're on the AC expressway. It's just hitting you. And so my wife, actually, she went and got me these for Father's Day. Mm. And they're actually sunshades that are medicated. Oh, wow. And so I wear these while driving on sunny days. Mm. Um, my son, you know, he's not a walker yet, but I'm sure when we're at the park and stuff, it'll be really helpful to put on and mm. and, and do. So I just felt like it, it really was game changer when I got mm. this. Um, not only uh, style-wise, I mean, these aren't designer by any means, um, but uh, but just functionality, especially now being a dad, you mm. know, it's like you just got to have eyes on kids all the time. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, just pumped for this. And uh, I thought every and it's man— a, And it was a Father's Day gift. It was a Father's Day gift. So. I just feel like every guy should have it. If, if you need—I mean, you should always have shades as a guy. Yeah. But you shouldn't invest in getting medicated medicated shades all yeah. right i love it that's yeah. a that's a great that's a great little find it's good we're man. including everybody it's here. good warby parker sponsor me <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too yeah when i wear my fake glasses you know yeah. just for oh style my gosh. yeah <laughs> anyway man my vision always been 2020 come on somebody so uh all right i want to get into you just took over um you took over you're a location pastor now you just yep. you just took over you know uh, how old are you I'm 25. Yeah, so we we got the young folks. Yes, Gen Z representing. I feel like I'm right on the cusp right there. Yeah, right on the cusp, but still acting major Gen Z. Yes, know. for sure, for I'm sure. Kidding. You're very mature. 
mature uh, for <laughs> for your age. Uh, so anyway, you lead a location. Yeah. You are a you're a dad. Yep. You're a husband. And today, I really want to get into w- what it means to redeem fatherhood mm. because you have quite the story. Yeah. And 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 really a lot of unique challenges when it comes to parenting mm-hmm. and uh, not not necessarily. Well, your kids, yeah. so to speak, but your upbringing mm-hmm. and what you went through. And um, I, I think you redeem fatherhood and speak so highly of fatherhood. You're a great dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old is Roman? Roman's 11 months now. 11 months. Yeah. There are very few people that I would trust more to leave my children with yeah. than you. <laughs> um, and so and so you're a great dad, great husband. Um, and I just want to talk through that, like redeeming yeah. fatherhood and, and how you arrived at that place. Mm-hmm. So why don't you take us back? Take yeah. us back to, to born at Kensington <laughs> Hospital, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, my story really starts, um, you know, I was born in 97. I, I shared a part of this story when I preached this past summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was born in 97, born in Puerto Rico. Um, my mom started dating this uh, this kid. My mom was, grew up in the projects, started mm-hmm. dating this kid. His mom was a teacher up like middle class in Puerto mm, Rico. Mm. Um, and so they started, you know, start dating 15 years old, 16. My mom gets pregnant with me. Um, she ends up moving in with her, my mother-in-law. Uh, my father ends up moving to- She moved in with your mother-in-law? Yeah. How does that make sense? Your current mother-in-law? No, sorry. My mo- not my mother-in-law, her mother-in-law. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. I was like, yes, wow. Yes. Well, that's like a prophetic- uh- <laughs> No, 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 not at all. Not at all. It, yeah. So so she moves in with him. Anyways, she, he moves to New York City and tries to find a job. At that point in the 90s, people are moving to New York City, trying yeah. to find jobs, whatever. Um, long story short, he ends up starting a new family, ditches us, just leaves us in the, in the, in the dirt. Starts so, a new family in New York City. Exactly. And you're still in Puerto Rico. I'm still in Puerto Rico. And so, but- I come to know this all in my later years. Um, long story short, my mom ends up moving to Philly. Um, she remarries, starts having kids. Um, I grew up with this guy who was my stepdad, um, but I didn't get to know my biological father until I was 12 years old. Mm. And so uh, I went to Puerto Rico one summer and uh, my mom starts introducing me to this guy who like has the same name as me, looks like me. It was kind of weird. But doesn't tell you who he is? Doesn't tell me who he is for like a week. And so I'm just thinking like, man, this is just so weird. She just keeps introducing him as a friend. How old were you? I was like 12, I think, or like 11, something like that. Mm. And so anyways, by the end of the week, I'm like, I just knew. I was like, that's my dad. Like, I just, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just knew it. Um, and so anyways. Uh, you didn't have your medicated sunglasses back then. No, it took I you a didn't. little longer to. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he took you a little longer know, to see. I know, man. So I get to know him. It means nothing, man. I met him. I came back to Philly. Life just remained as normal. And just a quick pause. When your mother moved here, your pops is still in New York City or he's... Um, Yeah, from 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 what I can recall. Yeah, that's um, that's there. But I mean, not some reliable sources. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. As, but as she moves... Where in Philly does she move? She moves to North Philly. So North she moves Philly. in with my aunt. She, my aunt lives on 2nd and Allegheny. You so want to give our there. non-Philadelphia people a little context for North Philly? Yeah, for sure. North Philly, you know, we call it Badlands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's really infested with crime and uh, just drug dealing and drug abuse. And uh, right now it's kind of turned into like the opioid... Uh, uh, like 
headquarters the headquarters of yeah. opioid disease um and uh, yeah just people could epidemic. youtube people could youtube kensington yeah just youtube kensington philadelphia oh my gosh don't watch it with your kids yeah don't but there, there's there's multiple people that that watch it and stuff but um you know our, our our original location for the block church is really right next to kensington yeah you, you always used to joke that our church was called badlands community church <laughs> badlands community church that's what i would always call the block but uh yeah so that's that's where i grew up and um you know i grew up with this a stepfather um he ends up actually getting in prison in 03 mm. and so he was in prison for like eight years and mm. so for eight years my mom was a single mom um just kind of raising us the best that she could mm. in and out of relationships a lot of domestic violence in the, in the midst of that and so growing up really i just never had that like stable father figure if yeah. you will um later in my teen years what would life like what would life be like in North Philly, you know, having brothers and sisters yeah. and in and out with different men? What did you experience violence? Did you uh how did you manage that emotionally? Talk to us a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So for context, I was the oldest of five that lived with us. So I had okay. four younger siblings under me. Um and a little row house in, in yeah. Kensington. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So so we're just, you know just trying to survive dude on food stamps you know trying to get the bills paid you know every month some months gets cut off you know what i mean living without electricity living without water just trying to make things happen you right. know um you know growing up in that it, it's there's this pressure for you to just um provide and like it's kind of like that father instance kicks in the best way that like no no 10 year old should have to feel that you know like growing up and having to turn that instinct on that mm. early mm. but there's there is a dna within all of all men to be some sort of father mm. um now what environment that gets turned in on you know and that that kind of snaps on um really determines things but for me at even 10 like i just remember like just caring my mom you know my mom would work from seven you know to nine at night and so i would you know get the kids ready for school making sure that they're fed when they come back from school making sure their homework is done and just caring for every single aspect of their life um in regards to that um and and i just started started building that as best as i could looking back obviously it's like so unhealthy for somebody that young to really yeah, have that for sure um but but it really shows the the, the dna of fatherhood in all men even if you aren't biological fathers yeah. if you will there is a there's an internal uh, ability in innate nature to cover mm -hmm. protect fight for yeah and 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 those are father characteristics yeah yeah so um were you ever in danger growing up oh all the time dude you, <laughs> if you, I, you got a story for us dude yeah i mean if i had a dollar for every time i've been in the middle of a shootout man i'd be rich mm. you know what i mean like it was it was like nothing um it was to the point man when i was a teenager like I, i'd be walking i'd get off the l um be walking home and the shootout would happen i wouldn't even duck dude i just keep walking mm. you know what i mean like it just got so like secondhand nature um, I remember one year, um, you might know this actually. I just remember because the next day, do you remember that Eagles comeback, uh, the Christmas miracle uh, against the Giants actually? Yeah. Well, which one? There was two, but there was, it was, I think it was the first, it was like 2012 or 2010. The one where Deshaun Jackson like returns yes, the, yes. the punt? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it was that. So literally the day before that, 
Um, we're at home, dude. It's around Christmas time. We're just chilling, bro. All my family's there. We're just hanging out, dancing, eating food, whatever. Mm-hmm. And dude, out of nowhere, dude, just shots just ring out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've I've never I've been around shootouts and stuff. It's never been like that close, mm-hmm. you know. So we're in a small house, and it was it was literally like right in front of our house. Mm-hmm. Like people were shooting, mm-hmm. and so uh, it, it got to the point, dude, where our house uh, got over a dozen bullets going into the house oh my gosh as we're all there literally right in the living room through the window i mean we had like five bullets come just through the front door dude. Mm. and so that just shows to the proximity that it was right. our ears are ringing i mean we're all just decked down mm. um and uh dude we opened you know just like what do you do after the you know the gunshots end like do you stand yeah. up do you call the cops like what do you do yeah and you just hear people outside like just help please call yeah. 911 i'm hurt i'm hit right. you know what i mean and so um you know i don't want to get too graphic but but you know, stuff like this that was, was life. like, this is life, dude. It was like a regular occurrence for me to just walk out, you know, and see somebody just done. You know, I've seen some of my friends right in front of me, dude, like have their life taken in front of me. Uh, I've seen people just overdose, you know what I mean? And, and walk by, I remember walking by people in Kensington and thinking like, man, I hope they're alive. And the next morning, like the cops are there. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, you know, body covered. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like I walked past somebody that overdosed last night. And growing up like this. I mean, it obviously, it probably does a a number on your mental health. For sure. And your belief in humanity. Yeah. Or desire to live. Absolutely. Um, did you ever get to the point where you're just like, I hope I get shot or I don't want to live? Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I think that that's the reality for a lot of people who, who would experience that. Uh, mind you, at this point, like, no one in my family is, like, safe. Like, we don't even know who Jesus is. I think a lot of people assume, like, oh, if you're a pastor, you must have been growing up in the faith or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of my family believed in Christ. I had I had no hope for humanity. This was just a reality. Just, um, you know, Meek Mill said, I'm from the north side of Philly where it's real gritty and dirty <laughs> at where every day they murder at. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's one of his lyrics. Mm-hmm. And But it's so true. You know, mm-hmm. it was such a daily occurrence. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you grow up without hope, it's like, what do you see in front of you? How do you escape the pressure of not only just having to survive and like hopefully not get shot on your way home, but also once you do get home, handling all the pressure that you have on top of that. And yeah. so it did a number on my mental health. In 2012, I was uh, institutionalized um, at a mental health facility for young people. Hmm. And I spent several months there really, um, really uh, just working through my mental health. I got to a point where I, I, tr- I tried to take my life. Hmm. And I, I truly believe that God like saved me that night. Hmm. And like he, he really had his hand over me. Um, it, it makes no sense that like I was alive. And to pause there for a second, you know, if anyone watching this is suicidal, yeah. dealing with that. And I think you're a great example that fight to live because yeah. hope is on the other side. There is, man. It, it is on the other side. And um, yeah, if, if you're ever there, I mean, a suicide hotline is there. I highly recommend um, people people undervalue and underestimate the power of just checking yourself into a hospital if you ever mm. really feel like I like I am a haunt, like I'm a threat to myself. Like mm. that's how I felt. I was mm. like, I tried this and it didn't work, and I'm gonna try it again because that's how hopeless I am. Mm. And so that's where you need to get into a place where it's like all everything's off the hook. You just got you just gotta check yourself in yeah. and, and take care of yourself. Yeah. And so God obviously redeemed you and saved you. Yeah. Um, now this is all before you became a Christ follower. Right. Yeah. So my, my story kind of picks up right after that. But I don't, well, don't want to go there yet yeah. though, okay. just because we are talking about redeeming fatherhood and we'll, we'll talk about Jesus and so forth. But like, I just want you to just paint a picture for us, the the dynamics of, of dad's male figures in your life 
stepdads, you know, how are you processing through this? And what did you think about dads, yeah, fathers? For sure. Um, the, the only guys that I really had in my life was um, this this stepdad that I had, which later he said, you're not my son. Like, I kind of disown you type deal. Mm. Uh, my dad, my biological father who left me and, and had, wanted nothing to do with me. Um, my mom's boyfriends who came in, cared nothing about us, you know, would, would use us as punching bags, essentially. Mm. And so my idea of men and authority was there's no one does it right. That, that's exact. That was the, kind of the narrative that I just played mm-hmm. in my mind all the time was if, if there's a guy who's older than me and tries to get into my life or try to speak into it, they don't know what I've been through. They don't know where, where I've been at. And so therefore I can't grant them access because they, ha- they, don't, they don't have the same life experiences as, as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and very few people um, I have met over the course of my 25 years who do have similar life experiences of like as me but are also doing it right. Mm. There's very few people that can kind of tap into both. Um, and, and would so, you say that that plays out into not trusting government, not trusting oh, uh, police, dude. not trusting, you know, yeah. teachers or, North you know. Philly, you don't trust nobody, man. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's the spirit of our city. You know what yeah. I mean? I think so essentially that's, that's really what it boils down to. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it really plays out into you not trusting people speaking into your life. And even if somebody genuinely comes in and tries to be caring for you and tries to speak into your life, um, you might tolerate it for a second because you're like, wow, somebody's actually genuinely interested in me. But the moment that it becomes authoritative, that's kind of where it gets cut cut Mm. off. Um, And that's kind of some of our story, you know, Mm. Um, when I first started coming to the church was I really enjoyed spending time with you. I enjoyed um, coming into your house and just you caring for me, taking me out to coffee, all those things. Um, But I remember explicitly like my senior year, like you tried to like speak into my life and just give me advice on something. And what the funny part was is that I asked for your advice. (laughs) (laughs) I literally asked you for your advice and you gave it to me and it was it was different than what I had imagined. Mm. And so I was kind of pissed at you for a Mm. season, you know, Mm. and, and, um, you know, looking back it, it, again, that's, that's the root of just not having, you know, solid, uh, father figures growing up. And when something really good steps in it, you don't know how to steward it. You don't know what to do with it, you know? So, um, you meet Jesus and we don't have to go into all those details because they can find your story on other platforms. Um, but you, you meet Christ and then how, I guess, did the redemption begin? And how have you managed forgiving or dealing with your biological father? Yeah, yeah. So um, the story really, you know, picks up, uh, again, where part of our story after that is you never really stopped reaching out and you never defined me by those moments in which I was, maybe you didn't even know that I was struggling through that, um, but that you never let that take away from you. You know what I mean? And so having a father figure that's consistently there and mm-hmm. reaching out and wanting to speak into your life um, really showed me, hey, there's some work that I need to do clearly mm-hmm. if somebody is being so forgiving of mm-hmm. how I'm behaving. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really was at the church that I really was able to deal with these things. And um, all the men that got to speak into my life after that were people were men of God who mm. were serving and mm. putting Jesus first. Mm. And they might have not had had, you know, a lot to provide for me financially, but just in wisdom, I, I was so I was so rich in mm. that in that season. Um, and just getting wisdom from all these men. Wow. You know, I'm still working on forgiving you for the season you lived with me and <laughs> 
the 37 <laughs> minute showers every day, but uh, God's working on me. <laughs> it was a time. It was a time. No, I mean, I, I love what you said. You know, you, you come into Christ, but just because we come into Jesus doesn't mean that we don't bring a lot of baggage. Absolutely. Um, being a new creation, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's it's a heart thing. It's a mind thing. Um, it's a body thing. It, it's it encompasses all of us, but there are still things in our bones. Yeah, there's still some bags we bring to the cross. Absolutely. And for some, um, it it just takes a long time to to you know you've been doing something for 10, 15, 30, 40 years. You know, um, it, it it just doesn't for not for everybody. There's not a deliverance period overnight. Yeah. Or a freedom period overnight. Right. It's work. Yeah. It's the faith aspect. It's surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you've you've come to church. You've come to Jesus. You have an encounter with God. You you start going to the block church when we start. Um, which, by the way, you're our youngest leader we ever had. You know, true. leading our ushers team or something, <laughs> uh, which is amazing. Um, and now, like our youngest location pastor, which I feel yeah. so proud of and of and of you. Mm-hmm. But you know, you, you come into come into Jesus, and and then you've got all this baggage, so you start doing some of the work. Um, and what happens, you know? With with your biological father, because there were some interactions there. Yeah. So so when I gave when I first gave my life to Christ, I, I felt like the first thing I had to do was forgive my father. Like mm. when I really came to a forgiveness of mm. who Jesus was, uh, God called me into that, and He said, "You need to forgive him." And so um, that was January. Mind you, I'm 15 years old at this point. Like I'm I'm out on like I'm living on my own. Part of my story is just. I was homeless for a good chunk of my teenage years. And so I'm hopping from house to house. But God says, you need to forgive your father. Um, For six months, I save up money (laughs) to buy Hmm. a plane ticket. At 15. At 15. Wow. And um, I end up going that, I end up surprising him for Father's Day that year. And I just felt like God was, this is how undeserving you are of my forgiveness, Mm. that I would show up to you Mm. in the area where you suck at the most, Mm. and I'm still going to show up for you. Mm. And I just remember doing that, and it it was easier said than done, because when I got there, I mean, it was an emotional roller coaster, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, But to see my father, his his initial reaction, it it wasn't joy, it wasn't happiness. Um, The first thing that hit him was shame. Mm, of course. When I first saw him. Of course. And uh, it, it was really powerful to speak affirmations over him mm. um, and and say, hey, I, I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry at you. I forgive you for all that you've done. And even if you did nothing from this day forward, it doesn't change the way that I, it doesn't change the fact that I have forgiven you. Mm. And um, that was, that was, yeah, I mean, that really was freeing. Re- dude, so much. I mean, so much. I, I, I didn't I didn't know how to fully process it at that age. Yeah, of um, But as the years go on and I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's kind of wild. Like God, you called me to do that at 15 and go fly somewhere, you know what I mean? By myself mm. and, and make arrangements mm. and all this stuff to go. For, and like, it's not easy to go from, from the North end of the Island to the South end and somehow I manage yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. wild, dude. Yeah, um, we went on a trip to Puerto Rico. I, I didn't drive the whole time because I didn't know where I was going and trying to, <laughs> yeah. you know. Just, it actually takes a little while, it man. It's a small island, but it takes a while driving For places, sure. Man. Yeah. But, but I just think it's so powerful what you're saying because mm-hmm. um, we underestimate um, that God can speak to and use even a teenager. Yeah. So here you are. You've come into Christ, got all this baggage. God speaks to you. Mm-hmm. You obey with this childlike faith. 
You save up your money for six months. Mm. And now at 15 years old, God's using you like you're 35 years mm. old. Mm. And what I commend is, is that you weren't going to wait 20 years to deal with it. Right. You're right. like, hey, I got I, I to gotta address this in my life or I'm not yeah. going to move on. So do you, would you say that dealing with your pops, and it's been ongoing, right? For sure. It's a process. I mean, it's it's all that. And, and I've learned how to have boundaries even in the midst of all this that's going on, right? Like my father, like there, there's certain boundaries that we have that he just doesn't cross anymore because I've set them in place. Um, Can you give, uh, me, give me an example? Yeah, obviously, you know, one thing being, you know, my parents financially just aren't aren't where they're supposed to be at. I mean, um, he he's never really held a job for more than a couple months, mm -hmm. you know? And so one thing is like when I was younger, dude, like at the end of that, trip for example he drops me off at the airport and he knows my mom you know i had, I had some extra like cash to spend you yeah, know yeah. had like 40 or 60 bucks left you yeah. know to my name you know just flying back to Philly. yeah and he's like hey man you know like can can you let me hold something you know what i mean can i can i have the the rest of your money you know what i mean i remember giving that to him and like later in you know like a year later two years later i look back and i'm like man that's just so dirty man mm. like i just like mm. and it's just like then you know that that anger you know that the 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 flesh starts to get again and i'm like all right i'm just got to forgive him for that mm. but that's the last time that he's going to rob from me yeah. you know what i mean or take from me that's and a good so, example yeah. of grace and forgiveness extended does yes. not mean i can be used absolutely or, not yeah. or i've got to have healthy boundaries absolutely. and i listen to the voice of god what yeah. if god drops it in me to go Bless, and he could, that's yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he could. But I know for me, it's like, hey, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because now I'm enabling your sin patterns. Yeah. And that's not okay. Yeah. You know, and so um just small boundaries like that. So good. You know what I mean? So um so later on in life, right? So, you know, you you, you obviously it's it's a work. You're 15 years old, you know, you, you get saved, you, you go off to college, you come back, feel a call to ministry, you know, you meet your wife out of, out at at in college, um, you guys, you know, get married during COVID. Uh, what, a, what a great, fun little wedding that was. It was amazing. The, the six of us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> On your little rooftop. It was hilarious. Right. And, and But but then, right, you have you have Roman. I'm sure you'll have many more babies. Yes. Um, and My wife reminds me every day. <laughs> <laughs> Catch up on your sleep first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, so then, like, you have this this thing that happens. So it was probably before Roman, right? Yeah, yeah. And I love I love your wife for this because she said yes. Mm -hmm. She's such a great wife. Yeah, and she's a great partner. Yep. But you know, you end up having to take your your sister. Yes. Can, can you hit that shortly? Yeah. So fast forward. Um, this is uh, January of 2020. Um, my mom, you know, she's she's still a single mom. Yeah. She's kind of remained that way. I mean, dating in and out and stuff, but. Um, she gets into altercation with my sister. My mom has mental health issues. Um, she has some things that she's that she's working with. Um, uh, and which which again, I, I want to be clear. My mom attends my church. Yeah, which is really powerful. Your location. My, yeah, she. Yeah, my location. Whose church is That's hilarious. <laughs> but she she attends, and so so I say this with grace. Yeah, and I'm not defining sure. that you know in that. Yeah. Um, but um, she she gets an altercation. My sister gets into child protective services. Mm. Both of my sisters actually mm. seventeen and my other one was at 12 at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I just get this call in the middle of the night, you know, or at middle of the day, I was at work. And they're like, hey, we got your sisters here. We need somebody to come. Are you able to take care of them? Otherwise, we're going to put them in foster care. Mm. And so I call Eliza, who we're just dating at the time. Like, we weren't even married, dude. I, I said, oh, wow, hey, okay. I need you to go and, like, pick up my sisters downtown. Mm. And which is just crazy, man. Like, just, she, it was no thing. She was like, yeah, of course. 
She goes down, picks him up. Um, long story short, that, that begins, it's been three years now since we've had my sister living with me, fostering her and then adopting her into our family. Um, and so uh, essentially that, that, that kind of started. So that was January, 2020. My wife and I get engaged February, 2020, get married April, 2020. And here comes my wife, our first, you know, kind of thing as a married couple is, hey, we got two kids now. We got a 17-year-old and a 12-year-old. Um, and uh, and who's also are going through traumatic things and yeah. processing that the best that they yeah. can. And so it's kind of been part of our story. My sister, who was 17, she turned 18, ends up moving out, gets a job, kind of right. gets on her feet and does her thing. And then my youngest sister, she's now a freshman. Um, dude, she, she's, she's grown so much in the last two yeah. years. She loves Jesus. Yeah. She serves in our kids' ministry so faithfully. Good. So uh, good. She goes to youth group, invites people to youth group, man it's it's been really awesome to have that over the last three years so that that's really like fatherhood happened as a kid growing mm -hmm. up and then like real like hey you got to be financially responsible for mm. somebody in every single way shape and form um kind of happened again in 2020 um and it's kind of been 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 like that since i think sometimes um fathers maybe feel this pressure that like they are the provider mm -hmm. and i think it's good for us to take the pressure off of men in that hey, you aren't the provider. Mm -hmm. You're not Jehovah Jireh. Mm -hmm. God's the provider. It's true. But you got to be responsible. Absolutely. And you got to do your thing, but God's going to handle it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm, I'm thinking about your life and like, okay, how did you, you end up have, taking two kids on, you don't get any money for this. Nope. Nothing like, you know, and God just seems to provide. Yeah. Like he always does. Yeah. Because I think what God's trying to get inside all of us is an understanding of fatherhood mm. and how he needed to redeem fatherhood for you yeah. was to just remind you that he made you to be a father mm -hmm. and a good one. Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything as we lay in the plane, you know, you want to just speak to men, you know, or remind us about how God can redeem fatherhood or some advice, but how important it is that we view God um, has a good dad. Yeah. I think um, first, first I want to encourage men right now who are in the church and I, I want to call them to a higher level of manhood and fatherhood. Yeah. You need to go and there, there are people within our church. There are like young you. men like me, you know, and they're like, like I was, you know, who men who were just speaking into me and just loving it on me. I think sometimes we make it too formal, like, oh, I don't have a discipleship plan for you. What? Somebody just needs you to show up, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I remember uh, my high school graduation. It was my youth leaders, my, the guys, you know, coming down and look at, like, seeing me graduate from high school. That was a big deal for me, you know, that people would show up. Mm. Um, making sure, you know what I mean? Even guys in, in church, dude, just making sure I had to ride the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or a meal to eat afterwards or whatever. Just being taken care of in those ways, it seems small in the moment. But when I look back and I see why I was so into church, it was because men were holding my hands mm. up and men were taking care of me. Yeah. And actually I was experiencing Jehovah Jireh through men in the church, Jesus. you know, and that yeah. preached to me more than anything else mm. could. Mm. And so wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself, men, just 
there's and it might not be a teenager it might be a 28 year old man yeah. who's still a boy yeah and who's still struggling through yeah. these cycles of patterns and it might take two years of you just loving on them for that to i just feel ooh, for the lord right now <laughs> feel the spirit. i feel um it, it might it might take years for them to undo that but finally that cycle is going to break yeah and so that good. line in the sand is going to be drawn and that man's mm. going to walk into victory mm. and so I, I would just encourage all, all saints both young and old um to really step up in what it means to take care of people um and and women as well I, obviously you know there's that's a whole nother that's yeah. a whole nother thing but um but just taking care of your own you know mm. what i mean i, I so can't good. emphasize enough the next generation how much more we need men in there we need men in our kids ministries yeah we need men in our youth ministries yeah. we need men leading um these young people because at the end of the day 50 percent of them in philadelphia don't have solid father figures um, yeah. and the other 50 percent they probably don't even got anything close or remote to mm. actually having a good father in mm. in place and, and so then it becomes hard to view our heavenly father absolutely as a good man it's, father it's so it's so important man like just just showing up and caring for people yeah. it's going to impact your discipleship forever well and that's why we're doing this podcast you know why we call it manners because yeah. we're just trying to retrain our minds as to how to act like men yeah in a very confused world mm -hmm. how do we act like men but we have to redeem fatherhood right and I think you'd model that so well. Mm. So I'm really grateful for your time, your story. And, uh, man, keep being a great dad uh, to many. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If this was helpful to you, give a good review and subscribe to The Block Church's YouTube channel. For more information about The Block Church, visit theblockchurch.org. We'll see you next time on Manners, How to Act Like Biblical Men.